0: Hey, good morning, Vintage Church. Good morning, 9.45 service. I am so excited that you guys are uh, here with us this morning. Uh, if we haven't had a, a chance to meet yet, my name is Daniel. I, uh, I'm sort of new to staff. I'm, I've been coming, sort of transitioning uh, out of the Army and onto staff here at Vintage Church full-time recently. So uh, if we haven't had a chance to connect, I would love to meet with you. Uh, after service out in the guest suite, just get to shake your hand and and uh, get to put faces to names and, and meet some of the people that I haven't had a chance to connect with yet. Um, I'm actually coming on staff here, uh, like Lindsay talked about, to help us launch our school, Vintage Christian, in, in the fall. Yeah, woo, we can move for that. That's great. Uh, which is just, it, it's just one of the, the awesome things that I think we're getting to do in our church right now. Um, I think really right now, this is a moment that uh, the, the church as a whole is in, both our church specifically, but also uh, local churches and, and the faithful church, right, throughout sort of the Western world, right, in our, our American culture, where uh, our, our culture has gotten to a point where it has become so sick and, and so depraved, right? And this happens in, in cultures throughout history, and you've seen it before, right? It happens uh, in Rome, it's happened in uh, the British Empire, right? The cultures get to a point where they're so lost, they're so far. God right the church kind of over the past like 50 or 60 years has really seeded a lot of the things that we used to uh, we used to take responsibility for we've seeded it to the government or to the culture and and to other people and I think right now what you're seeing is you're seeing a movement within the body of Christ and and basically calling us back and saying hey this is this is not right we're going to stand on this and we're going to be faithful here uh, the school is part of that our Spanish service is part of that launching new locations is part of that, but it's us looking in the face of really it's just a deep wickedness in our culture and saying we're not okay with this, and we're called to be set apart we're called to be the church of God and uh, for the school specifically it's it's us saying hey we're going to train our kids right because our kids they're not ready for the nonsense that's going on they're not ready for for the vileness and and just the the absolute uh filth that is getting pushed into a lot of the schools and so Um, I'm super excited to get to come on staff and be a part of what God is doing with the school, specifically as we sort of rise up and we say, you know, we will not comply. We will not comply with what the culture demands. We will not comply with what... uh, either the government or uh social media or whoever it is says we are going to stand against we are going to stand set apart we are going to stand holy when the world stands unholy we are going to uh, be a part of what god has called us to be a part of and this church is just a, a phenomenal example of that and saying yes to all the calls, the calls that god has put on our church over the past several years and launching new locations and launching spanish services and launching uh, a school, all of those things. So if you're not plugged in, I would love for you to to do everything that Lindsay talked about and help us, you know, plug you into this church so you can be a part of what God is calling you to do, too. Uh, I think we have a photo uh, here of my wife and our family. Yeah, this is us. So if you see her around, that's my wife, Madison. Uh, she is the better looking of the two of us. Uh, and those are our two little boys. We have a two year old, Paxton. He's the one I'm holding there. And, uh, Theodore Teddy, he's uh, the one my wife is holding. He's six months now, so he's crawling around and stuff now. But uh, and then of course Nana Paxton's little bunny is featured there, as in most of his photos. So uh, if you see them around, those are that's my family, and we would love to get to to meet you and connect with you. Uh, and with that, I would love uh, to dive in with you to week two of our series called Run to Win, right, where we're talking about uh, healthy biblical strategies for living a healthy and uh, fulfilling life. I want to uh, you know, orient on our, our verse for this series. Our, our main verse for this series is 1 Corinthians 9:24 24 uh, through 27. It says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or boxing like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So that's the, that's the verse for the whole series, and I kind of want to talk uh, a second about just what we're talking about in this whole series, right? Because each week we're discussing a different area of your life. Uh, you can actually look, and, and we've divided it up for you uh, here, and every week of this message is one of these sections, right, of the pieces of this pie here. Um, your life is one whole piece that's what we're talking about in this message we're talking about these are areas of your life these are areas where God calls you to be healthy because if you aren't healthy right you can't actually go and do the things that God has called you to do right we kind of all know that right it's it's you need to be able to, to be healthy in order to, to go out and, and give and, and uh, fulfill god 's purpose for you you need to be able to to go out and walk Right? In week one, we talked a lot about spiritual health. We talked about how you know, if you don't get that right first, everything else just falls out of place. Right? That's true. I mean, it's just true. If you're not spiritually healthy, right, you can't fulfill the purpose that God's called you to in life. You can't. You have to be spiritually healthy. But what I want to talk about right now is I want to talk about how each aspect of this affects every other aspect right? You are made as a whole person, and God is the God of you as a whole person. He's not the God of you split up into parts. When we see this, a lot of us tend to think about it as if our life is just in these little squares, right? I know that I've done this for years. I have a tendency, and it it, it took some challenging from Christian mentors in my life to tell me, you know, hey, look at your life as whole and not as these little areas of your life, right? Because you think, you know. Okay, well, I'm gonna, God is going to be my God on Sunday morning. He's going to be my God at 5 30 when I read my Bible. And you know, hey, you know, you pat yourself on the back because you do your quiet time when you get up. And then you close the book, and then the rest of your day has nothing to do with God. It doesn't work because God is the God of the whole, He's the God at the center. Christ is at the center, and He cares about your spiritual health. He also cares about what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is your physical health. Right? So, week two we're going to take a look at your physical health because God has something to say about that too. God has something to say about what you do with your body. He has something to say about how you live. Uh, Your physical health is a big deal to him and it affects everything else that you do too, right? So when I say that, I I mean that quite quite sincerely. Your body is the medium that God gives you to interact with every single thing in your life, right? Right? Everything you do uses your five senses in one way or another. right? What you do to the body that God gives you is all you're going to be able to do in the life that you have. right? So of course God cares about that. right? We kind of we tend to think of like your, your physical health as if it's not a spiritual thing, as it's just kind of off in a corner. It's one of those pieces, right? It's one of those pieces, but it doesn't really touch any of the other pieces. It's just off, it's alone, it's over there, it's not a thing that you need to worry about. It doesn't have anything to do with God. But of course that's not true. God created your body. Right? He created it and He gave it a purpose. Every work that He's going to call you to do with your hands is going to take it. Right, He cares about your physical health. Each of us kind of knows on their own that your physical health matters to you. Right, Everybody knows that your physical health matters to you. You know that when you're not taking care of yourself, when you're not sleeping and you're not eating right, you're not going to function as well. You know that you know, your physical health, if you're sick, or injured, your quality of life goes down a little bit, right? I mean, your quality of life, it just drops. I've been—I've gone through some of those seasons, you know, when, when you're injured, and it's not as fun. Everybody knows that. If, if you could, you know, take a poll, hey, would you rather be injured or not injured? Most people would be like, not injured, man. You know, I want to be not injured. I, I don't want to be in crutches. I don't want to walk. I want to be healthy. Everyone wants to be healthy. Um, but what we don't do is we don't think about that God has something to say about it. Uh, of course God has something to say about it. And, and to drive this point home, right? A, a quick statistic for you. The World Health Organization estimates that globally every year physical activity leads to chronic disease that causes 3.2 million deaths every single year. So people not taking care of themselves leads to 3.2 million deaths a year. Do you think God doesn't care about that? No, of course he does. Of course he cares about that. He cares about the length of your days. God cares about what you do. God cares that you take care of yourself, but he also gives you the responsibility to do that. Good physical health helps you feel your best. It helps you be able to go out and have the energy to do the things that you need to do, right? Because uh, we're all given purpose. We're all put here for a purpose. Um, and it allows you to go out and enjoy your life more, because God gives you enjoyment in life he calls you to enjoy it. and when you're physically miserable it's really hard to find joy and not that you can't right because sometimes there's things that are unavoidable and you need to find joy in those things too right sometimes you know you, you have an injury or you have an illness that's not your own fault uh, and you have something physically going on with your body and God does call us to find joy in those seasons but it's easier when we do the things we're supposed to do and we don't become the cause of our own illness right and I Look, I've got to tell you, I am, a, I am a chief offender in some of these areas, and I've had to, I've had to repent of some of that and, and get better, because for a long, long time, I was that guy who just decided that the best thing for me to eat every single day was an entire bag of those like grab-and-go donuts. This was like my whole college life. That was my diet, you know, and uh, I was, you know, I, I'm in the Army still, I'm transitioning out of it, but, you know. People made me work out like twice a day. You know, I was in a college and I, would, I could do it, but I felt terrible, but I could do it. And I really like donuts. So to me, it's kind of worth it. But then, as I, uh, once, I, once I was in college, I blew up my ankle and, and I went through this, this period of time where I wasn't working out anymore, but I was still eating the donuts. I couldn't do it then. I really couldn't. And you know, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you're like, man, that was tiring. Oh, that was a long way. Like ten whole feet. Oof. You know, and, and the truth is, it's not what God calls you to do. It's not what God called me to do. Now, there is a flip side to that too. So I'll talk to, I'll talk to uh, my fellow army guys here in a second. A lot of times, because we are told to get up and go out and work out every morning at 6.30 we. We can get this idea that we're doing better than other people because we look around and we say, "Well, hey, I'm in better. Look, I, you know, I'm in worse shape. That's an arrogance attitude, right? And uh, and if that's you, and it has been me, you got to repent of that too. But also, that person might be 10, 5, 20, who knows, pounds lighter than this time a few months ago. They might be putting effort in. You don't know their trajectory. You don't know where they're going. And also, if they're doing it, they're doing it completely on their own, completely because they've decided to, completely out of obedience and submission to God. And we can't say that because if you don't show up to formation for PT in the morning, right, someone calls you. You're forced to do it, right? So we have this attitude. So a lot of us, and then, you know, you do what I do and you go to the shop ed at, you know, 7.30 after and you chug a bang and that's your, your breakfast. Yeah, people are laughing. And then they're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I know, because I'll be there. Right? Like, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll be on post, and, I, and it happens. And you know what? Sometimes it's because we're, we're just choosing not to take care of ourselves in ways that little disciplines could help us to. Um, my point there is that don't look at other people and, and judge them and say, well, I'm better than that person. Don't look at somebody else and do that. Look at you and say, what am I doing, and what can I do better? Right? What can I do better? that I can drill down on and really surrender and be submissive to God in taking care of my physical health, right? Because he really does care about it. He really does want you to be living the life that he called you to live. And to do that, you have to take care of your body. To do that, you have to take care of every aspect that we're going to talk about in this series. And you have to start viewing your life as a whole, as a whole thing that God cares about, a whole person that God knows needs to be completely integrated Right? That's the word we like to use. We like to be integrated. Because when, when we talk about balance, a lot of times we talk about it like it's a bank account. And you're going to draw out of this area of your life to go invest in an area of this life. But then that area is going to start hurting. That's the reality. And that area is going to have negative effects on every other area because you're actually an integrated person. You're not actually divided up into different accounts that you can draw in and out of. So living a whole life is the life that God called you to live, living a whole life where you're submitting in the little things because I promise you, your daily disciplines will change your life. They'll change your life in every aspect and your physical health is no exception. So what does the Bible have to say about this, right? What does God tell us? What does he tell us? Uh, his call is for our life. It's pretty simple. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. All right. So what this verse tells us is it says, You have been bought with a price. You literally are not your own. When you become a believer, when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, when you say yes to him, you are not your own at that point. Did you know that? Did you know that when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to you? You're dying to yourself and you're saying, I'm putting me down and I'm following you, Jesus. That's in every aspect. That's not just here, right? That's that's not just on Sunday morning. That's every aspect of your life. You're saying, look, Lord, I am going to commit to the process of what we call sanctification. I'm going to commit that every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk towards you, God. I'm going to start walking. I'm going to walk towards you. And every area of my life is going to be submitted. He tells us, that he has purchased us right our bodies belong to the Lord he he tells us it's a temple of his holy spirit right the the spirit of God lives inside you that's a big deal right the spirit of God is there with you that's a big deal right there's also I want to talk about the last sentence there Because that's the call. So glorify God with your body. When you read the scripture, right, this is a a good exercise you can do. When you read it, go and look for and so statements, right? Or so statements. So what that means is is when you're reading it, God is going to give you a truth. He's going to reveal something to you in his word. And then he's going to say and so, right? Or it could be another word, but that's what you're looking for. You look for and so do this, right? Which means God is revealing to you a truth. He's saying your body is a temple. The Holy Spirit lives within you, right? That's the truth he's revealing to you. And so now that you have that knowledge, now that you know that you're bought with a price, so go out and glorify God with your body. I would challenge you if, if you know, start doing that in the scripture. Like, really pay attention to those statements because those statements are telling you something. They're telling you here's something that you need to know. Here's something that God's, God's trying to teach you. And there's something that you need to action on it. So go do this. Right? In this case, it's saying glorify God with your body, meaning that God wants you to use this medium that he's given you to interact with the entire world. He wants you to use it to bring him glory, glory in your day-to-day and glory uh, with your body, Right, glory in how you take care of it. There are three essentials as we talk this morning about our physical health. There are three main things I want to talk about that help you glorify God with your body. These things allow you, doing these things allows you to uh, move closer to what God has called you to be. They allow you uh, to really fulfill your purpose for him. The first one is rest, right? We have such a busy culture. Let's see what God says about it. He says, Matthew 11:28, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Psalm 127.2, he says, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Come on. Amen, Amen. yeah. Y'all feel loved when you, when you sleep, right? I mean, when you really get to sleep and you're like, oh man, it's time, right? It's, it's one of those things every night when I, my wife and I are getting ready for bed, it's one of those things where it's like that's some of the only time you know we get uh, to have with each other every day. Uh, and sometimes selfishly, I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait to fall asleep tonight. You know, uh, got to focus on, got to be intentional about spending some time with her. But I do, I'm so excited because I'm like, man, it, I'm tired. I'm just tired, right? Because our lives are busy and we are, we're working, right? And that's okay. It's okay uh, to value your sleep. And God is telling you, yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves, right? He gives you rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. That's... A little bit different, though, than what our culture says, right? Jesus is saying there, he's saying, come to me. So your, your focus there, think about your orientation. We're going to talk about this more in just a second, right? Your orientation there in, in Matthew where he says, come to me if you're weary and burden, and I'll give you rest, right? Jesus is saying, walk towards me. So we're going to talk about that because the rest that we talk about in our culture and the rest that God talks about in the Bible are not the same. They are just not the same. We are going to talk about that. that they are not. Rest is a part of God's plan for your health but it's specifically Sabbath rest, right? Sabbath rest is not what we talk about. Let's look in in Exodus where God really outlines for us uh, his purpose for the Sabbath. He says, remember, Exodus 20, verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. In our culture, a lot of the time, we get super busy and and we kind of, we either do two things. Either we never rest, which is, something that some of us do. We, that's a tendency. Or uh, we constantly are just thinking about rest, right? We're just, all we want is our rest and it's all that, are, all that we're oriented on, right? That's not what God tells us to do. That's not the kind of rest that he calls us to. Neither of those are correct. Either not resting or only wanting your rest and only desiring it all the time until you get it because if that's what you do, right, it's never going to be enough. If all you're doing is waiting for the weekend every week and it's just, oh man, I can't wait till the weekend so that I can... Scroll on Instagram and watch whatever new show is on Netflix, right? I can't wait to get to the weekend so that I can just take some me time, right? Not that it's always bad to spend some time with yourself doing things, but I promise that's not where the best rest comes from. That is not where the best rest comes from. Uh, the Sabbath principle actually is, is you work six days to rest one day, right? Right? You, you're called to the work and the rest is a blessing, right? And, and that's the principle, right? It's not this, oh, I'm just going to work and work and work so that I can scroll, 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 right? That's not it. That's not what God calls us to. God calls us to Sabbath rest. He calls us to work, right, and have purpose in him. And then he calls us to different orientation, Matthew 6:33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what is the orientation? What is the difference? What is Sabbath rest? Why is it different? Because I'm not telling you that sleep is bad. I'm not telling you that rest is bad. I'm actually not even telling you that, that sitting down on your couch and, and watching a show with your wife is bad. What I'm telling you is that if your focus is on those things, it can become an idol real quick. It can. It can become just something that you worship. If your whole life is oriented on something, that is an idol. That is what an idol is. Whatever you are prioritizing is the most important thing in your life. That is the object of your worship. And if the object of your worship, right, is uh, the Cowboys game on Sunday, right? You you, you are falling. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, some hecklers in there. All right. After we got kicked out of the playoffs already, you got to do that. Come on. If your object of your worship is sports or TV or going to the spa or whatever your thing is, right? Or the Oreos, right? Which find their way into my pantry very often. <laughs> right? But if that's the thing, if that's your focus, if those things are your focus, that's the object of your worship and that's become an idol. That's just that's just what it is. That's just true. I promise. Whatever your focus is, is the object of your worship. So focus on God. This is the first basic of Sabbath rest, is focus on God, right? Because the way that God lays it out in Sabbath rest is he says, work the six days for my purpose and spend time with me and I will recharge you on the seventh, right? There's a reason you guys come into this church on the Sabbath, right? Because a lot of people would say, well, I'm using more energy to go to church. Yeah, but you're getting more right, being around God's people and, and focusing on God, God is the one that charges you up, right? God is the one that refreshes you. God is the one that gives you the energy to deal with the things that you have to deal with in your daily life. I promise you, one extra hour of prayer a week will be more refreshing than one extra hour of sleep. I, I promise. You scrub your life clean, add an extra power hour of prayer to your week, it will refresh your soul, man. It is true. It will be refreshing. An extra hour in the word is going to do more for you than an extra hour of sleep ever will. I promise. Focus on God, and that's when you're going to start to find your rest. The second thing is worship with your family. Your family are the people that God puts most closely around you. And it really matters, not, not just for you, but you have a responsibility. Whatever role you is in the family, right, uh, your role Involves orienting the family towards Christ, both you modeling it and then encouraging the people around you to to worship God together. Right? When you worship with your family, it strengthens your bond with them, which makes you uh, have a deeper relationship with them, which helps you work out all of the other things. Right? I just, I promise, it's true. Right? If your orientation is completely opposed to that of your spouse, right? In this matter, that means that your orientation is completely opposed on the deepest thing that there is. The deepest question in life is what do I believe about God and what is the object of my worship, right? It is the thing that all other things stem from. And when you, when you lose that focus, when you lose that trajectory, right, it's gonna cause problems. Worship with your family, lead your family, men especially, speaking to you here for just a second, right? Your, your family needs to be worshiping together. Worship looks like reading the word. Worship looks like serving each other. Worship looks like prayer together. Worship looks like talking about God and not leaving him in a box that you can unwrap for an hour on Sunday morning and then put back inside and stuff away in a closet and not talk about him until next week. That's what worship with your family looks like. And men, that's our call. You're called to lead your family. So if we're failing in that area, right, you're failing your wife, you're failing your kids, right? So I'll get off on that for a second, but I'm just saying, men, that's our call, right? Right? It's everybody's job, but men specifically, get up there and lead, right? Uh, If you're wondering how our culture got into the place where it is, it's because weak men let it. It's because weak men sat by and they gave away their responsibility, right? Weak men sat by and they gave away their their duty and they said, I'm going to rest and I'm going to focus on my me time and I'm not going to go and lead my family today, right? I'm not going to have the hard conversation. I'm not going to do those things. That's how we got to where we are today. Weak men create hard times. We're in the hard times. That's where we are in that cycle. Weak men create hard times, right? The third thing for Sabbath rest is to serve others at church, right? So you see this in these three things, right? The, the three most important groups in your life, God, your first orientation, your family, the people next closest to you, and then the body of Christ. These are the, the, the things that God calls us to be around. God, your family and the church, serve others at church. And you might say, well, serving isn't really resting. Okay, maybe you're not doing it right. I mean, seriously, maybe you're not doing it right. Maybe you're serving out of a sense of obligation and, and uh, not out of a sense of joy. And I promise, there's a difference. And I was that guy for a long time. I served because I thought, oh, I have to do this because it's a block that I have to check. God is not the God of checking boxes. Everything that God gives you to do has a deep purpose, right? Serving at church is no exception right? And this is not just me telling you, right, like, that, trying to make you feel bad. It's me telling you, like, which, by the way, let me, let me talk about that for a second. God doesn't want you to just feel guilty. God wants you to repent and get right, right? So if, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I've been coming to this church for a long time and I haven't stepped up and gotten on a serve team, repent and get right. I mean, seriously, God calls you to be a part of the church. What are we doing? If you're just going to be a non-participant, that's not what you're called to, that's something you need to repent of and get right. Serve others at church. And then when you bring that joyful attitude into serving, right, it really does. It changes your life. It is more restful. When you leave church with a sense of joy because you've done something with purpose and you've been around God's people, I promise you that is going to help refresh you and it's going to give you strength to go throughout the rest of your week in a way that an extra hour of sleep, an extra hour of Netflix never would. I promise. That is, our culture is selling you a cheap substitute. And the real deal is God, your family, and church. The real deal is God, your family, and church. That's what's going to give you rest. God cares about your sleep. He cares that you take care of your body in the most fundamental way. Some tips for doing that, right? Establish a consistent sleep schedule. Create a bedtime routine. Avoid screens and bright lights. Avoid caffeine, alcohol, and large meals. And stage the next day, right? Do daily disciplines for your rest, right? Because you do need to take care of that other that one area of, of actual sleep. That does matter. So, Hear me, this does matter. Take care of your sleep, right? But make sure that when you're talking about the, the kind of rest that God calls you to, right, you're not worshiping your rest, you're doing Sabbath rest, right? Uh, and then you're taking care in the daily rest, how you're called to. The next thing, uh, th- there's another area that God really calls us to submit to him uh, when it comes to our bodies, and that's diet and exercise, right? Everybody kind of, I'm sure that when we, I told you we were talking about physical health, everyone knew we were going to get here to diet and exercise this morning. Um, I will say this, Right? All of us in the army, right, this is not our time to look around and judge and tell other people how great we are because somebody else makes us get out of bed and work out and somebody else makes us go and, and get in shape. It's not our time to look around and judge other people. What it is our time to do is to surrender this area of our life and understand that God does have a purpose for it. right? There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament, one of the great stories of the entire Old Testament is, is the story of Elijah. right? Uh, Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. He uh, is going and he's... Uh, standing against these wicked prophets of their time that worship a false god named Baal, right? Uh, just a pagan idol. And Baal has hundreds of prophets on his side, and the whole nation of Israel has sort of turned away from God, and Elijah's the only guy. And he sets up this challenge for him and for uh, the prophets of Baal. And Elijah says, All right, look, I'm going to put my offering over here, and you guys pour a bunch of water on it, do whatever you want, I don't care. Uh, and you guys put your offering over there, and you guys go first. I'm going to let you guys pray to your God, and you guys can, you know, we'll call down fire from heaven, right? Because if we're talking about God, you know, that's something he's able to do, fire from heaven. So you guys just call your God, and I'll call my God, and we'll see, you know, who's real and uh, who's full of crap, right? And uh, so the prophets of Baal, they go over here, and they're like, all right, yeah, dude, we'll do this, you know, because there's hundreds of them. Clearly, hundreds of people are right over just one guy, right? And Clearly, that's how that works. So they're like, hey, Baal, you know, just give us some fire real, real quick. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. They're cutting themselves. They're praying. All this stuff. Elijah's making fun of them. He calls down fire from heaven. He says, "Look, Jehovah God." Boom. It says, "Not even the bones were left. The wood of the altar. Everything was burned up, right?" And then Elijah's immediately on the run. He's on the run. He he runs away, and he's he's in this place where he's super depressed because they start chasing him, right? They're not happy about this, right? Instead of repenting, they chase him. So they chase him, and when he gets to where he's going, he runs far away, and he's super depressed. He's sad. Look what, look what God tells us he does in 1 Kings 19. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at, the head, at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to horror the mountain of God. So what we learn here is that when the great prophet of the Old Testament was sad and tired, God gave him a snack and a nap. (laughs) That's what we learn. We learn that the great prophet of the Old Testament still needed to take care of his body. He needed to do the things to take care of it, and that God saw his need and he cared about it. Right? Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to the Father through him. Here's just some quick tips for diet and exercise. One, eat a balanced diet. Uh, There's many of them that you can find, but do your research. I'm not going to sit up here and and, uh, go through all those. Limit processed and sugary foods, right? Uh, We've learned over the past 60 years that what they told us about that cool food pyramid is just a lie, and uh, Frosted Flakes are not the most nutritious breakfast. Uh, Drink a lot of water. Plan your meals in advance. Practice moderation and ask for help. Asking for help is great. It's a great way that you can tie in uh, your spiritual family to help you in your real day-to-day goals, right? Uh, And really integrate your life. For exercise, you can schedule it. Set achievable goals. Just give yourself little wins. If this is something you struggle with, man, little wins help a long way in the beginning. Change it up, right? Keep yourself excited about working out. Exercise with a friend. Again, accountability is key. And then avoid comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. It's also the thief of results, Right? Because if you are only looking at other people, you are never going to see the results that you're having and you're also never going to see the next thing that you need to do to get those results. So avoid your comparison. Right? One final thing I want to talk about before we, we close out today. This, this third thing is the most important thing when it comes to your physical health. It's something that if, if you had to spin a wheel and guess, I'm, I'm guessing you probably wouldn't put this in the physical health category, but I can actually prove it to you in a second that this is the number one thing you need to do for your physical health in order to glorify God, and that's community. Community is the most important thing. 1 Timothy 4.8 tells us, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Some physiological benefits of community. It reduces stress and improves your mental health. It increases your lifespan. Lowers your risk of chronic disease. It promotes physical activity and it provides social support and a sense of belonging. There was a study done by Harvard that started in 1938. It ran for over 80 years and it studied a a couple of thousand people. And they, at the start, they they started them over the course of their life and they asked them all about their habits. Right? They asked them, "Do you smoke? Do you drink? Right? How often? How frequent? What do you eat? Do you exercise? What is you know? Do you have family history of heart disease? All of these things, and the study. After 80 years, it came back and they asked him, are you satisfied with your life? They checked to see if they were alive, and then they saw how long they lived. You know what they found? They, They found that the number one indicator, not a important indicator, the number one indicator, of if you were going to live till 80, if you were going to be healthy at that age, and if you were going to be satisfied with your life, was healthy relationships. The number one thing. The number one thing for you to take care of yourself healthy relationships. It matters more than if you have heart disease. In fact, if you don't have them, it can cause it. By the way, the church is the community you need to be a part of. It's not just bingo club. Do that if you want. But there is something different about the church. There is something powerful about being a part of God's people. You have a responsibility to yourself, to your family, and to the church to come and to serve and to be an active member of the body. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is God saying, get around my people. Go and be with them. Go and rub shoulders. And, and also, don't just walk in and walk out. And don't, don't be the church online. We don't do that here. We don't do that here because what we learned is that the church online is not the church of Christ right? Because church is not a sitcom, it's not a soap opera, right? It's not a a show. You don't get to turn on and turn off church. That is a terrible habit. What you do is you come and you be a part. Come and be a part. We are inviting you. We are eager for you to come and serve and be a part of this church. And you know what? We actually want more for you than we want from you. So as you hear me saying serve, I'm not saying that because we have a desperate need. You know what? We have very faithful people in this church that serve. We're gonna be fine here at Vintage Church, but you need to serve because you need it. You need to serve because you need it. You need to be a part of this community because it is how God designed you to live. Be proactive in that. This is how we do it, some tips. We be proactive, we serve one and we sit one. Our staff serve one and sit one. Our staff serve in our church, right? They serve and sit because they need the, the word, they need the worship, and they need to serve, right? Join a small group, man, some of the best friends I've had in my whole life, I'm in touch with. Yeah, whoop, whoop, small groups. Vintage.Church slash small groups. I mean, really, you're gonna grow deep relationships in those small groups. Be around people who really know who you are, right? Come meet us in the guest suite after service, get connected, get our app, yeah, right? Stay up to date on what's going on so you can come to events. And then take someone to lunch or coffee. Someone you don't know, someone who knows something that you don't know, buy them lunch and get wisdom and that's a good deal. Right? Proverbs tells us to seek wisdom and understanding more than silver and fine gold. Okay, so I think we can seek it above a $5 cup of coffee. If you are trading money for wisdom, you're getting the better end of that deal. I promise. If you're trading time for wisdom, you're getting the better end of that deal. That's what the church is. There are two metaphors that were given for the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You know what that means, church? That means that if you are not serving, if you are not walking in community, if you are not encouraging other believers today, if you are not being open about who you are, if you are not being an active member of the church of Christ, the local church, you're robbing the body of Christ of a hand or a foot or an eye or something that I promise you if you lost it on your body today, you would notice. Not everybody in here is the same part, but I promise whatever part you are, if it got cut off today, you would know. Don't rob God of that and don't rob yourself of it. You will find greater purpose in being a part of this body than you will ever find elsewhere. God calls you to be a part of this body. God calls you to be a part of the body. You know that when, when Jesus, he, he's visited by his mother and his, his half-brothers in the New Testament, he's visited by them, and, and uh, he says, they, they tell him, hey, teacher, your, your mother is here. And he's like, who are my mother and brothers? But those who do the will of God. That's the other example that's used. You're part of God's family. Jesus literally says, those who do the will of God, those are my, that is my mother and my brothers. That's who you are. Every single part of Christ's body is needed. Every single part. Don't cheat yourself, don't cheat the church, don't cheat the body of Christ. So when you think about your, your physical health, when you think about this topic of, of being healthy in this area of your life that's integrated to all the other areas, remember, rest the way that God has you to rest. Take care of your body in the way he has to take care of it. Remember, your snack and your nap, right? But as you need it, right? diet and exercise and then remember that the community that's the glue that's going to hold it all together that's the number one thing take care of yourself pray with me church father God we love you we are so grateful uh, for your church we're grateful that we get to be a part we're grateful that we get to walk through the doors and uh, and know the people of you the people that are called by your name thank you for each and every person here in this room father God you are our king and we submit this area of our life to you, I pray that you would give us the discipline, the strength, right, and the support to go and, and be better in this area and be better living our life healthy for you this week than we were last week and then the next week after that. We love you. And it's the name of Jesus. Church, I, I want to keep every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I want to keep us in this, this posture of prayer. I just want to give an invitation right? If you're a person in this room and you're sitting here and you're saying, you know, pastor, I I don't even know where the orientation of my life is, but I want it to be on Jesus. If you're someone who's never said, God, I want to get it right. I want to be looking at you. I want my life to wholly be submitted to you. Not just in, in one way, but in the whole of me, I want to follow you, Jesus. If that's you, or if you're someone who's here and you're saying, God, I gave it to you, but I'm not following you today, but I want to. If you're one of those people, you just want to say, God, I want to walk with you today. God, I want to give my life to you, to you, Jesus, right? Jesus says, If if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? That's what we're told. So if that's you, if you're saying for the first time or or for the first time in a long time, I want to give my life to you, Lord. I want to give it over and I want you to be my king and I want to submit. I want you, Jesus. Will you raise your hand with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are never the only one. Thank you, thank you. I see you, I see you. You're never the only one. right? Jesus tells us that, hey, if you profess me before men... I'll profess you before my Father in heaven if you confess me. Thank you, I see you. That's what Jesus tells us. I would love it, church, if if everyone would just, with those of us who made that decision this morning, uh, pray alongside us. Just repeat after me as we go through a prayer. Right, Everyone just do it to encourage our, our new believers with us this morning. Would everyone just repeat after me? Father God, we love you. And we want to be made whole by you. Lord we pray this morning that our lives would be yours. I invite you into my life Jesus. I want to give you control I proclaim you as I proclaim you as my Lord as my savior as my king. I love you and I want to know you In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, church.